Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, going to be joined by Tara Talmadge of the uh, Pig Trail Nation. She'll join us, talk some uh, hogs and uh, SEC football and, uh, and some other things with, uh, with Tara coming up here in uh, just a few minutes from right now. But before we do that, as always, uh, Thomas Bridges is here with me as well. And uh, TB is fresh off of an MRI. And uh, Tom, uh, are you going to need Tommy John surgery, my friend? No, even though my name is Thomas John, uh, not going to need that. It's uh, And that's your dad's name, too, like John Tom. Exactly. His name is John Thomas. My name is Thomas John, but... Um, not going to need Tommy John, but I'm, we're going to find out next week. I have an appointment next Monday at Tulsa Bone and Joint. I went to a freaking almost big speed today from Bartlesville um, to get this. And they did a MRI on my pectoral first. And then I went and had like some, I think they called it an arthrogram. And they told me it was like a live x-ray, which I thought was pretty cool. But then they did something not cool and injected me with a huge needle of galactin dye and that was not fun at all uh, and then i had another mri so i thought i was going to go back to work today and that did not end up well um so i just stayed home napped all day wasn't too bad besides you know my shoulder hurting but uh we'll see i might be uh, down for the count here pretty soon if they have to do surgery hopefully not but um it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a little different matter. You know, John Bridges is a legend, and for a lot of reasons. Uh, but I got to say... Yeah, we'll yes. leave those reasons unmentioned. Yes, uh, those those stories could go untold. Um, but but I'll say say this. I, I like that Like you guys are like... You're named after him, but like not really. Like That's a cool way to still have like your dad's name. I never connected the two. Yeah, and oh, that always comes up in just different little groups and things like that. Um, I'm actually, my middle name is after him. My first name is after my mom's dad, my mom's real dad, who died when she was like six in a car wreck. Um, his name was Thomas. Um, so pretty, pretty interesting there. And actually, it's weird. My dad's grandpa was named Thomas as well, so... There's a lot of Thomases that run in the family. Yes. Uh, so just wait for uh, one day when, when when they all meet at Thomas J. Bridges uh, Jr. You know, uh, someday. Who knows? Uh, but uh, <laughs> Tom, uh, I mean, what a, a weekend it uh, this past weekend was, and uh, you know, it, it was. I had such a good weekend personally, but you know, who didn't have a good weekend is if I were any. If it were any worse for me, I think I know somebody that probably had a worse weekend. Was uh, was those folks down in uh, Norman? Those uh, OU folks. Uh, I mean, it was one thing to fire Mike Stoops. It was one thing to lose to Texas. But there's some real trouble in paradise right now with uh, with that OU program. I mean, these uh, they, they might get what they like of firing Mike. I know people have been calling for that for years. But uh, I think the issues on this team are bigger than one defensive coach. There's a lot of lingering issues going on right now. There's uh, there's a bit of chaos right now in uh, in Norman uh, under that uh, regime. 
Yeah, especially with the account of what came out that happened that uh, during the halftime of the Red River shootout. And Mike Stoops, I heard about, got his ass beat by one of the players after calling several members of the defense out uh, at halftime. It's just a huge bad deal. Kyler Murray crying after the game, just not good whatsoever. And we, we talked about a few weeks ago when Oklahoma State lost to Texas Tech and they had their problems with Jalen McCleskey. Now we go, you know, to Norman and and see that it's not all happy-go-lucky uh, in Norman, Oklahoma. Isn't it amazing how one loss can affect these teams? Um, that you learn, they say you learn so much about your team when you deal with adversity. And so far, we've seen from OU and OSU both, they have not dealt with their first hand of adversity well this year. Uh, when Oklahoma State lost to Texas Tech, what what happened? You know that week that transpired of Mike Gundy and his uh, you know whole feud with the media. Now OU, you know, let go of Mike Stoops, which I, I'm not going to say it's the wrong decision. You know, I, I think it was the right move, but all that's conspired in the last couple of days. I mean, these teams have not uh, handled these situations very well at all. No, not 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 at all in in any regard. And you know they say winning is a cure all, and so when you lose, it's just like, oh, okay, now the whole house is burning down. Um, and for you know two teams, OU obviously more so than OSU, but two teams that are used to you know at least for the last couple of years being undefeated when they meet, or being damn near close to undefeated when they meet, losing to teams they shouldn't lose to, like Texas Tech. Uh, in Texas, granted, Texas OU, that rivalry, the games are always pretty usually close, but in the fashion that they lost, um, you know, granted, they did come back, but at one point, I think Texas was up by 20 points. Um, just in the fashion that they lost those games that they probably shouldn't have lost uh, is is damning. It's alarming, and, you know, two new quarterbacks, the house might come down a bit. The other thing, too, Tom, is that it's not like that in both situations that the teams, uh, you know, lost a couple games or started on downward spiral. Both these things happened after one freaking loss. Um, You know, I mean, we we always talk about, you know, don't be the Monday morning quarterback or have the overreactions, you know, and such. Uh, These teams have certainly, uh, you know, reacted – you know, not too kindly to dealing with one loss. It's crazy just how much every single game matters in the reaction uh, to the what these programs have done after just one game. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, actually just incredible, especially with the, you know, you would think Mike Gundy's been there so long that it, it wouldn't turn into a big deal, and you, you think Lincoln Riley was kind of grandfathered into the program, and and that whole, you know, just OU's tradition and OU's how they go about doing things. You would think one loss wouldn't be the end all be all, but after both losses, it seemed that, you know, it was that way. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll say this as well uh, in regards to Mike Stoops and the change being made there. Um, you know, I, I, Mike Stoops is not a good defensive coordinator. I think that's, I have gone on record with that. I've said that well documented over. Uh, a long period of time that I'm not a fan of Mike Stoops. But the issues with that OU defense go beyond Mike Stoops. It's a lack of talent levels that's not there. And they're improved. I mean, they have, you know, know, Kenneth Murray and some of those other guys are 
you know, Monte Bloodstone and a few others are some of the best defensive players they've had in quite some time. But the issues are not going – all of OU's problems defensively are not going to be fixed immediately with this one change. Ruffin McNeil, and I like the guy, but Ruffin McNeil wasn't that great of a D coordinator at Texas Tech. Um, you know, some of the places he was, you know, East Carolina, he was a head coach. He did an okay job there, not great. Um, you know, at those places, I mean, like, you know, Ruffin McNeil was already on staff the last two, three years. I mean, let's let's not act like that this is the solution for this, uh, this OU team. I think long-term, this is the right call. But this is not going to be an immediate fix to this OU defense. The problems are still there. Oh, of course. And it's it's going to be, you know, it'll be very interesting to see how the OU defense gels or if they, you know, I guess more of what I'm trying to say, are they going to get better? Are they going to stay the same? Or are they going to get worse? Um, and we don't quite know that yet. Uh, it's Man, they're lucky to have a bye week after this week with what's transpired. Uh, can they gel together and get better? Can they move on from this? Can they get past this, you know, Mike Stoops, I don't know, mark on the season? Uh, that is obviously still to be determined. So, you know, I think Lincoln Riley, I, I know he's in his second year uh, as a head coach. I think he's a good enough coach that, you know, he's going to help the defense rally around and, and maybe almost a learning experience from this or a team chemistry build from this. I think he's that type of coach, uh, it, you know, much to my dismay as an Oklahoma State fan, but I think he is that type of coach. Uh, I think he can do that, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if OU comes back after the bye week and the and the defense looks much improved. It Does it have to be? Not necessarily this year. They understand what's happened, and, and they're obviously going to have to build it pretty much from the ground up and and you know hopefully they hire someone next how to say hopefully i think ou probably will go out uh, in the off season and find some swing and dick defensive coordinator and and be back to greatness next year now here's another thing i would say to this is that lincoln riley was not put in a good position in regards to this mike stoop situation there was it was going to be hard no. for this ordeal to end gracefully. With we a, knew it was going to happen, though. I mean, here's here's what should have happened. When Bob Stoops left OU, he should have told Mike, like, hey, you know, you need to move on as well. Let's get out of here. Let's let Lincoln do his job. That's what should have happened. It did not happen. And, you know, Mike Stoops was there, and obviously this was just a disaster. What happened, you know, the uh, playoff game against Georgia – and now what we've seen, you know, through throughout this year, this was not going to end well. But at the same time, Lincoln Riley, uh, you know, this was his call. Um, you know, he yes, he was put in a tough position, but eventually he was going to have to pull that trigger. I thought he should have last year in the offseason and uh, made that move then, but they wait to do it till now. There was pressure from the new university president to make this move, um, you know, Lincoln finally grew a pair and made the move here uh, to go forward with this firing of Mike Stoops, but there was no way, almost no way, this was going to end well with the way that he decided to keep him on that staff. And, uh, I mean, it wasn't like that we didn't know ahead of time when Lincoln Riley got this job that Mike Stoops was struggling as their defensive coordinator. I mean, the issues maybe weren't as bad as they are now back then, but the issues of Mike Stoops in this defense were there uh, when Lincoln Riley took this job. 
Yeah, for sure. And, and even if, let's say OU and they about did it, if they would have come back from that, come back in the fourth quarter, scored all those points, and ended up beating Texas, after what transpired at halftime, I still think Mike Stoops has let go. Um, it's almost a beautiful tragedy, um, to say the least, about what transpired at halftime uh, between Mike Stoops and his defense. Um, just because, it, you know, obviously they lost, but if they still win, you still have that easy out. What he did at halftime is, is unacceptable. Um, from any coach at any time, no matter what the situation is, uh, Mike Gundy, I'm sure he would have thrown a fit. So you don't go after players. No, never. Um, unacceptable. But, I mean, to make a joke out of it, but it is serious. What what transpired, if it's all true, uh, just completely unacceptable. At the end of the day, these kids are still like 18, 19, 20, 21, um, and he's a however the hell old he is, well, an old and, guy. And not to um, mention that, you know, who does he think he is? I mean, Mike Stoops is going to get his ass beat if he's trying to go after players too. Especially I mean. for a, a big OU linebacker. That would have been pretty funny if he would honestly, if he would have got his ass beat. That would have been really funny. Right, show up uh, back on the field with a black eye or something, you know? I mean, oh my gosh. Man, that would have been, that would have been quality content. I got to uh, say, Tom, I did love the fact that the way that OU got beat, uh, I couldn't even feel bad for OU because they lost to a guy named Dicker. Dicker, yeah, got, the kicker. Yeah. yeah, I saw that name come across the screen. I was like, what a last name. What a last name. I, I wonder how much he got teased for that. And then after you know hitting the game winner, I wonder how many chicks he's getting back in Austin. And uh, his uh, did you, did you see how many his uh, his field goal rate on the year so far, Tom? I didn't. He's six out of nine on field goals for the year. He ought to just go ahead and change his number to that, right? He really should. He number really sixty nine, and you be Dicker the kicker. Number sixty nine. It well, would be perfect. I don't. I mean, everybody with a last name that is like a euphemism or like a, um, I don't know could be made into a joke uh they need they that should be an automatic requirement that their number is 69 ron artest wanted to wear 69 but david stern said no is anybody nobody in the league is in nba is 69 are they no there's a lot of offensive linemen in both college football and the nfl that wear 69 i feel like that's an honor like that's something that you if you're, wear a badge of honor. If Charlie, if Charlie played football, what number would he be? Uh, let's not bring Charlie into this. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, he would be he would be like an eighteen or nineteen type of guy. Sure, sure. Let's go with that. Um, but gosh, that uh, that 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 sixty nine, you know, Dicker the kicker. That was that was outstanding. I, I wish the. I'm a fan now. I uh, I'm a fan of this guy. I want to see him uh, take off and do well. That was great to see that moment for Texas. Where's the Big Twelve race stand at this point now? Because I don't know. <laughs> OU was the favorite going into the season overwhelmingly, and then West Virginia was right behind him. West Virginia is uh, the only undefeated left in the conference. Them and Texas are both undefeated in league play. But now, what do we make of this situation? I think that we've opened up a whole can of worms now with OU losing to Texas. 
Uh, I mean, OU could still win this league uh, for sure. But when you factor in the Big 12 title game and all this, I think that uh, this is this is wide open now, this uh, Big 12 race. Yeah, it feels a lot like the Big 12 basketball season last year. It feels like Honestly. KU just lost like an early season like game or two. And now all of a sudden, like, oh, okay, all right, what are we doing here? So, I mean, what I ex- I still expect OU to win it, but hell, who knows? After Mike Stoops firing, where the biggest question now is OU's defense. Uh, what's going to happen? I mean, we're going into the second half of the season. There's still a whole half of football of, of a football season to be played. Uh, it's going to be pretty interesting in a league where we thought OU was going to for sure win. Now, who knows? I still think they do, but uh, it's a big enough thing that, uh, you know, it's definitely a talking point now. Is Texas back? Oh, I hope not. I hope <laughs> not. I hope, I hope it's a one-game fluke, but each week they play, it sure feels like, well, maybe. I mean, they're if, one if win away. Okay, here's a question. If Tom Herman wins the Big 12 outright, is he the coach of the year? Uh, in college football? Yes. Uh, Nick Saban would be my coach of the year. Oh, if you didn't give it to Nick Saban. Uh, then, uh, I would give it to, uh, Kirby Smart. Big 12 coach of the year, obviously. Big 12 coach of the year, yes. Yes. My, but my philosophy on coach of the year is different than most people. I think it should go to the best coach of the best team. Well, wow. then they just call it the Nick Saban Award. Right? <laughs> Nick Saban every year. Coach they, should, year. they should just give it to him, but then he should have to re-gift it to who he thinks did the best job. The Nick Saban Award, where it's, you know, Nick Saban gives it to this, his second favorite coach in college football besides himself. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, that would be a day. That would be awesome. Uh, but what about uh, West Virginia? West Virginia didn't look too great against KU over the weekend. Will Greer was picked off three times at home. They ended up winning 38-22. Uh, I mean, they've had their moments. I feel like we still don't know much about West Virginia because, um, you know, they had that game against NC State that was canceled. Uh, it wasn't their fault. You know, freaking, you know, Hurricane Florence got in the way. You know, dumb hurricane. Um, you know, but... I feel like we don't, we still don't know much about West Virginia. That I mean, Tennessee, not was, at all. Tennessee was not a good team. It was a dominating win, but that wasn't a good team they beat. Um, we we don't know anything about West Virginia right now. And we said last week we really didn't know anything about OU, and they got beat. So is this? Now are we, we giving know. like the kiss of death to West Virginia now? I think so. Don't talk about Oklahoma State. <laughs> We've talked enough about Oklahoma State. Yeah, they're already dead, all right? Don't be the dead horse. <laughs> yeah, I swear to God, if West Virginia loses, who do they play this week? Baylor. They play – no, you knew they freaking play. They play Iowa State. Oh, wait, yeah. I, again, I swear on my life. That's right. They and play Baylor next Ames. week. They play in, in Ames. Ames. Who knows? I'm picking them. I'm picking them. I'm picking Iowa State. You're They're calling the upset it. now. Well, now you've put the kiss of death on Iowa State now. No, it's still on what... Iowa State is the kiss of death, Tyler Jones. That's true. I mean, like, they, they love to just, like, whop everybody they across need to the change head. Their, they need to change their logo from a freaking cyclone to a kiss. Right? Black lipstick kiss. 
What if uh, they got uh, you know the uh, the band Kiss like incorporated their logo? They really should get the tongue sticking out. Get and and just switch their jerseys to Kiss's uh, indoor football team jerseys. Yeah, um, they could be the, paint Matt Campbell's face. Yeah, uh, they 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 could be. That would be uh, that'd be fantastic to see. They could be. Uh, uh, the Iowa State Knights in Satan's service. I they're going to do it this week. Mark my words. We're going to talk about it this next week. Iowa State beats West Virginia on a game winner. Okay, you've heard it first. West Virginia is only a six point favorite. All right, so Tom's taking uh, Iowa State to win. I think Iowa State won that game last year. Actually, they they might have. I wouldn't. There's not a game that if you said Iowa State beat Alabama, I wouldn't be shocked. Right? I really wouldn't. And then they They lose to Iowa. Can't even win their own state. Uh, Yeah, it's they're just a. It's one of those teams, and I hate it. I I hate playing Iowa State every year. Okay. 2011, it's not fun. So one more question on the Big Twelve. So you still like OU to win the league? Where where do you? I do. Where do you put this? Separate. Give me. Separate OU, West Virginia, and Texas for me. If you had to pick those, or or maybe you have another team that cracks in that top three. How does nope, the top three finish right I now? That's your three. I think that's your three. I think it's, I think it's OU, Tech, West Virginia. Okay. Or, I say Tech, yeah. OU, Texas, West Virginia. I think, I think uh, OU and Tech. Oh man, I think OU and Texas play in the Big Twelve Championship. So OU gets a chance to redeem themselves. Um, tell you what, here's the other thing. If OU wins out and gets to the Big 12 championship game and wins it, then you can almost erase that loss if it's to Texas. Um, if they beat Texas in the Big 12 championship game, then you know you play West Virginia the week before and then beat Texas. All of a sudden, you got two more wins and you've... Uh, You've erased the loss essentially from uh, the first meeting. Um, now, I'm, not, I'm not saying that OU's not going to lose another one. Right. But. So you think I OU think wins the league with. Upset. Do you think they win the league with two losses then? I think it's possible. At this point, at this point, everybody's beating up everybody besides Kansas. <laughs> Yeah. At this point, that's what's happening. Under, that's literally what's happening. People forgetting, this is kind of forgotten about, Baylor is two wins away from being bowl eligible after beating K-State last week. And they got Texas this week. Texas is a 14-and-a-half point favorite. They moved Texas tonight? Goodness. Man. Well, I'm, well they might. And that would be really funny if, they, if Baylor went into Austin and beat them. Right. I wouldn't. I wouldn't I don't know. It's Big Twelve is just a just a mess. I still like year. I still like OU and West Virginia to finish one two. Um, Texas has played good, but I think they'll hit that wall eventually um, and drop a couple of games in the league. Um, Texas clearly improved. Uh, I think that they are a top twenty team. I think you know. I know that they're ninth in the country right now, but I still think they can finish in the top twenty. In, in fact, I think Texas is capable of getting into a New Year's Six Bowl, but I'm still not picking them to win the Big 12 Conference. I still need to see more from Texas. Um, Ellen Garrett is good, um, which is not something I would have said a week ago, but 
But I'm still not. No. I'm still not completely sold on a UT. I still need to see more before I buy into it. We've been we've been burned on UT the last you know decade. It seems so. No joke. Right. Um, Tara Talmadge set to join us next. Coming up uh, later on in the show, we got our picks against the spread. Tom Fillery story of the week as well. All that more coming up next right here on the Jones Report. At this time, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome into the Jones Report for the very first time. It is uh, Tara Talmadge who joins us uh, covering the uh, Arkansas Razorbacks for the uh, Pig Trail Nation out all over the state of Arkansas. And uh, she covers the SEC and all that uh, great football action down there. And uh, Tara joins us right now. Tara, what's happening? Appreciate the time. Uh, we've we've known each other for a while now. Can't believe this is the first time uh, we've uh, actually got the chance to talk. Appreciate you joining us. What's happening? Not much. I'm just getting ready for a big day, talking some football. We've got a lot of stuff going on, but it's exciting. Yes, that's uh, that's great to hear, Tara. Tell me uh, about yourself, your background. You're uh, you're from Houston, right? Yes. So I grew up in Houston. I, I worked for two years out in West Texas, and then I moved to Fayetteville, Arkansas. So I've been here for a little over a year now, and it's it's been going really well. Love you know covering teams in the SEC. That's uh that's great to hear. And uh being from Houston and everything, you grew up with uh some great sports right there. I imagine uh you gotta be excited about these uh these Astros, what they're doing, uh, uh make possibly trying to go back back to back and everything. That would be huge. But yes, I I have been watching them. It's so much fun to watch them do well, especially after that kind of drought that they went through for several several years when I was there. Um uh, but, you know, it's funny because we didn't have the Houston uh, Texans when I was growing up for quite some time. So now to see them beat the Cowboys, that was pretty fun for me. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so much better than uh, when that franchise opened and uh, it beat the Cowboys. Uh, I mean, things have uh, – that, that was like a, a tease almost, you know, because you know, there wasn't much that went to fruition for a couple of years after that. Uh, yeah. Until recently, but uh, that's too cool, Tara. Uh, so you're down, uh, you're down in Arkansas and and, and everything. Uh, that is a a neat place. Uh, I mean, that community is some of the nicest people ever. They love their football down there. I mean, that has got to be a fun place to be. I imagine. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's been ranked one of the best places to live in the SEC. It really is a a very small town feel to it, but. There are a lot of things to do. It's very uh, nature-based, outdoorsy kind of stuff. People keep comparing it to Austin. Uh, clearly, it's, it's not the size of Austin, which means there's not the amount of people. So that has its pros to it as well. We don't have the traffic or anything like that. But um, it's, it's been a good transition. I, I love being here. That's uh that's real cool. Uh, great city, great uh great great place to be. That that Northwest Arkansas uh is, is really developed in, into something. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, from Bentonville to Rogers to Fayetteville. I mean, all that stuff there. Uh, I, I remember that used to be just all about Walmart. Now uh, with with, right. with UA and everything. I mean, that that is uh, become a fun place to be uh, throughout uh, that entire Northwest uh, Arkansas region. Yeah, absolutely. And when you have uh, one university in the entire state, everyone really rallies behind them. And that's been kind of neat for me to see, at least, because that's, I mean, being from Texas, you've got multiple choices. So being here, it's really cool to see all the support, but it goes both ways. Uh, With the football team, how they're doing right now, you have a lot of uh, 
angry fans, but you also have those that still are, are showing their support, which is good to see. And uh, and with your coverage, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this. You're working. You you get to represent multiple stations. You you're doing work uh, both in and right. uh, in that Fayetteville region and Little Rock, both right. Yes. So technically, our broadcast is statewide since we do a broadcast in Little Rock and out of Fayetteville for two different stations. So you can see ours through the entire state of Arkansas, which is pretty cool. Oh, that that's got to be great to to see. I bet you've connected with so many people uh, that oh, yeah. may, maybe more than you anticipated with being in two markets, essentially. <laughs> yeah, especially because Little Rock is such a big market, um, and and it's great to to meet so many new people here. It's been a good a good transition. So, uh, so tell me about uh, about that Arkansas team. I know they've gone through their struggles this year, but uh, yeah. you, you've gotten to see Chad Morris and his transition and everything. It's been an interesting couple months, I imagine, down there uh, since uh, from the transition from Brett, Brett Bielema over to uh, Chad Morris, where they're at right now. Yeah, and I mean, I think a lot of people are just judging based off what they see on the scoreboard right now, based, besides what they should be looking at. Um, I've, I've known Chad Morris for several months now and getting to know him on a personal basis instead of just a coaching basis. I do think that he's the right guy for the job. Obviously with any program, it's going to take time to turn it around. Like, it's just like when he was at SMU previously, I mean, SMU, if you know the history behind that program, it is not easy to coach there. So having turned that around to get them to even a six-win season is huge. And so I, I think it's going to be the same case scenario. It's going to take some time for him to, to really get his own guys in here, teach them the new system, and and really get this team on the right track. But, you know, you just got to wait and see on that one. I don't think people realize, too, how much of this transition process it's going to be because – Brett Bielema, you know, coached a completely different brand and right. style of football than Chad Morris. Uh, you know, Morris is completely changing it up, doing more of what Arkansas used to do with uh, with Bobby Petrino and some of those other guys. I mean, this is they, these things take time, especially in this case. This is nothing. What they're doing is similar at all. Right, exactly, and that's why we've had a, a handful of guys leave the program or decide to redshirt after the four games and then transfer uh it's just it's nothing against morris it's just they don't fit that style of play and so he needs to get his own guys in here that do yeah exactly that's a that's a great point we're talking to tara talmadge right now uh she works for the uh pig trail nation out there in uh, arkansas here on the uh, jones report this week uh tara what what are your impressions of uh getting to know chad morris in in that program what uh what what's what's it been like to to be around him and and see uh all of this evolve what, what were your early impressions well you know the funny thing is people only see what we show them in terms of press conference stuff and a lot of the questions i get are is he really that nice in person and off camera and he really is he's a very genuine coach which is you know nothing against any other coaches but it's hard to find coaches that are genuinely nice people to you when the camera is off and they say the same things off camera that they do on camera um he is a, a very uh, family oriented guy his family is always around. I don't know if anyone 
heard about this, but it was kind of a big deal here in Fayetteville that on Fridays he goes to see his son play in Dallas. And uh, instead of traveling with the team or spending the Friday night in the hotel with the team, he goes to see his son play. And that was such a strange thing to me because if Friday night is your biggest concern with this coach, then, I mean, you, there's a lot more going on during the week. So <laughs> um, it's, it's interesting. He's a good guy, though. I, I've really enjoyed working with him. Well, and and that takes a lot of effort too to make that way down there to get you know see every game every week. I mean that 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 oh, yeah. to me says a lot about him. I mean you're you're from Texas. I mean like the, the, yeah. to make that trip from Fayetteville and everything every single week. I mean that that says a lot of his character. His his priorities appear to be in the right place. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just him. He allows his coaches to do the exact same thing. Uh, we've you know, in with the previous staff. I knew some of the wives and stuff, but it was not anything close to how it is with Morris. We've seen all of their kids. They're always at practice. Um, it, it is a very family-oriented vibe this season. Well, and, and I would imagine that type of vibe, and, and it might take people more time to warm up with, with more wins later, but that vibe right. seems like that would fit that area more so than some of these other places that that would, you know, eventually once they warm up to them a bit, when more W's start, you know, showing up on the scoreboard, yeah. that family atmosphere seems to be what Fayetteville and what that Arkansas family community would really like to see. I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. And with, with how much these coaches work, it, it's a, I mean, it's a 24 seven job. So having an opportunity to bring their family, family around at any time has got to make for a better work environment for them. And hopefully that, you know, transitions onto the field and it makes for a better season, but we'll wait and see. Uh, Tara, you, you got the opportunity just a couple of weeks ago to, uh, to do a game for the SEC Network. And uh, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about – I, I want to ask you about Mason Fine, North Texas. That was cool to see. But first off, that yeah. experience, that'd be, that had to be great to get the – to make your national TV debut and everything, you know, an ESPN Network. Uh, tell us about that. That must have been a, a heck of a time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, going into those situations, you think you're going to be insanely nervous because – I'm going from a statewide broadcast to a national broadcast, but it, for some reason, I wasn't very nervous. So that worked out really well for me, but um, it was, it was a great experience. It was so much fun to finally kind of achieve one of my goals. That was one of my goals is to do a network broadcast. So hopefully you know, down the road, maybe we'll do it again. We'll have to wait and see. Oh, that'd be that'd be fantastic, and uh, you're yeah. not too far out of school already, so that's uh, that's great to see. Yeah. Uh, that'll yeah. work out for you. De- definitely happy for you. That that game you saw, I, I know it didn't work out too great for the Hogs, but Mason yeah. Fine in North Texas, that's an underrated storyline in college football right now of, of that team and what he was doing. You know, I, I saw him a little bit when he was in high school in Oklahoma being, you know, you know, be, being a Tulsa guy and everything. I mean, he, right. he is tremendous, and that team is fun to watch. I mean, they're doing some special things, that North Texas squad, and some great stories, uh, I imagine, you got to share from from their angle and, and, and seeing from the opposing side as well, uh, you know, as you were covering both teams uh, in, in that one. Yeah, absolutely. I think that North Texas is a very underrated team based on what they did and what they've been doing all season, to be honest. Um, 
there there were some interesting storylines. The fact that you know Mason Fine's not you know born too far from here in Fayetteville, and then also their kicker Connor Limpert or sorry uh, Cole Headland was actually the kicker here at Arkansas last year, and he struggled here at Arkansas, but he's barely missed any kicks since he's been at North Texas, so clearly he's he's fitting that system better. But also, um, Mason Fine is just, he's great at what he does, and people underestimated him because of his size, but it, it doesn't matter when you can produce like that. So it was neat to watch him and, and see what Seth Luttrell is doing with that program because I think that people should probably keep an eye out for him moving up through the ranks pretty soon. Oh, my, my goodness. I, I'm a huge Seth Luttrell fan. I, I would love to uh, to see him possibly get a phone call from a Jeff Long maybe uh, in, in a yeah. few months. So uh, that'd be great news. Uh, speaking of Jeff Long, by the way, you saw him uh, for part of his tenure out there. Uh, what, yeah. what, what what'd you think of, uh, of Jeff Long? And, and I know Kansas fans have been excited up here for uh, what he's done already. And I know he's got some big decisions to make in the future, but uh, I mean, what a positive guy. I don't know if I've ever met somebody that in the role he is that has so much energy. It, it amazes me, Tara. Yeah, absolutely. He's He was usually always out at you know all the sport events. I got to speak with him multiple times. From my experience, I never had any issues with him. Uh, now, there were some, you know, things going around here when he was let go, but uh, from what I understand and my experience with him, it was great. He was always fun to be around and really easy to talk with. It's not very often you work with someone in his position that is so open and and willing to speak with you. And so I had a great time working with him. Oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's great. Already a fan of Jeff Long from what I've seen in just a, a few short months. Uh, up here, uh, you saw uh, Alabama last week. Of course, they're the number one team in the country, and and right. uh, you know Tua has brought a whole new element to that Alabama squad. Uh, what what did you think uh, from them last week? Another you know flawless game it seemed like from those guys uh, right there with uh, in their performance there in Fayetteville. Yeah, I mean it's it's tough because it's Alabama. It's hard for any team to go up against them. Arkansas, in my opinion, their offense looked the best they have all season but Alabama is just Alabama uh and and they're on fire right now coach John Chavis the defensive coordinator here I mean he's been in this business for many 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 years and he said the other day that this Alabama offense is the best that he has ever coached against not just at Alabama but in his entire career so that right there says a a lot about where this team could be uh, in, in a month's time. That that league as a whole right now, I know Alabama's on top of the world, but eight teams in the uh, AP Top 25, um, this is as tough of an SEC as we've seen. And, of course, yeah. they've already been the best conference for the last you know decade plus, but uh, this is comparable to some of their best years of, from what we've seen so far, it appears. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Nick Saban will, will top the record from the bear. We'll have to wait and see on that one. This team is just incredibly talented on both sides. Everyone talks about how the defense is, you know, not as good as they need to be. And they don't compare to the offense of Alabama, but I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And when you have other teams going up against them that are, 
are also very good, and they still can't even come close. I mean, A&M is a good team. you got Auburn is a good team. Um you just, yeah, it's it's crazy what's going on in the SEC right now. Oh, it's a uh, it's a fun fun year uh, to see that, and and uh, I would be I'd be shocked to this point if Alabama doesn't finish that uh, regular season undefeated. Uh, kind of oh, yeah. just, just waiting to, waiting for Georgia at this point is uh, what it would appear for that uh, SEC title game. Uh, we're talking to Tara Talmadge right now here on the uh, Jones Report. She's with the uh, Pig Trail Nation down there in uh, Fayetteville doing a great job. Uh, Tara, uh, a couple more things uh, with you, then uh, we'll let you run here. Uh, I, I, I got to know, looking uh, you know down there at Arkansas, you know, obviously football's a big deal, but you got to see some uh, some great stuff uh, the last couple of year the last year or so that yeah. college world series run obviously uh, you know basketball bud walton is a heck of an atmosphere too i mean that that's uh i mean yes it's football crazy but uh, there there's some great stuff going on there year round it seems oh yeah and and i had the opportunity to go to the sec basketball tournament last year with our team and and also there with the ncaa tournament so it's been a lot of fun covering these programs. I mean, the College World Series, oh, that was just epic and also one of the most heartbreaking moments as a as a reporter trying to cover that and interview those guys after that last game was brutal. But it's been so much fun covering these programs. I mean, I do think that there's a lot of promise and with these teams this year. So um, it's, it's Hopefully, we'll we'll be back at some of those places again. What were you thinking uh, during that College World Series when uh, uh, when the guy had that drop on that foul ball? What, what were your thoughts when that happened immediately? I mean, I was standing uh, in the media room down on the bottom concourse, and everyone had their cameras and mics in hand. They were ready to run out and and go onto the field and start filming. And then the moment that ball dropped, everyone just sank. The Everyone put their cameras down. Everyone just knew it. We knew something was going to happen, and this game was not going to be won by Arkansas. And it was just crushing. Oh, man. Crushing. Oh, that, 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 is, that is something. I, I can't imagine uh, you know, seeing that firsthand. I, I saw that on TV and was just shocked behind. Yeah. You know, immediately, I thought, okay, Oregon State's probably going to win this now. Uh, yeah. you know, that momentum just instantly sank uh, within that instant. Uh, just a, a wild scenario there. Tara, uh, now, now to get to know you, what, what, is, what are some things you like to do? When, I know that we barely have any free time <laughs> in this business when we do get it, but uh, what, are, what are some things you do uh, outside of work when, uh, when, when yeah. time allows? Especially during football season. Yes. That, that uh, personal time doesn't really come very often. But um, it's because it's so it's so nice here, there's a lot of hills and mountains and stuff that it, it allows for a lot of hiking. So I like to go outside and kind of do that. And then we have a couple of lakes around here that are fun to go hang out at. Um, I just like being outdoors with, with some friends. Whatever they want to do, I'm, I'm usually pretty up for it. There's a lot of neat little towns that are close by so uh you know taking a quick hour trip to go hang out somewhere would be fun out at like eureka springs is kind of a a trendy little spot here it's it's just over an hour away so i just i like being outdoors a little bit that's cool. Now, uh, you haven't become a victim of uh, Dixon Street. Added your name to Baker Mayfield and Matt Jones and those those <laughs> guys, right? No. Thankfully, no, I have not, even though that video is, 
is still pretty entertaining, I do have to say. <laughs> Those cops ought to go ahead and play linebacker for Arkansas because, I mean, they, they could use all the help they can get at this point. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. that's gone. Uh, but, uh, Tara, we're, we're out of time. We appreciate you joining us. Where can people connect with you and follow your work and, and all that great stuff? Well, the best way to probably do it is just on Twitter. Uh, it's just at Tara Talmadge, pretty straightforward. I, I try to post as much as I can, uh, and uh, you can, I'm also very, uh, not too opinionated, but, you know, it's fun to have a little bit of jokes with some people on Twitter as well. So you can always follow me on there. Good stuff there. Tara, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Big thanks to Tara Talmadge for uh, hanging out with us and joining us here on the Jones Report this week. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges back here with you now. The uh, Chiefs had a huge win on Sunday against the Jacksonville Jaguars, picking off Blake Bortles not once, not twice, not three times, but four interceptions on uh, Sunday's performance. Now they take on the New England Patriots, and we'll get to our picks here in uh, just a few moments. But, Tom, it it is hard to pick against Kansas City right now. What they got going on, uh, you know, I mean, it is uh, it is something special. I mean, I know the Chiefs are starting 5-0 and again, just like they did last year, but this feels different this time. There's a lot more going for this team right now. The offense is doing things it didn't do before, uh, you know, that it didn't do last year. You know, Patrick Mahomes is looking like, you know, so far, you know, he's looked like the best quarterback in the league to this point. And that defense, you know, it hasn't hasn't been great, but it had a really good performance last week, and Eric Berry is still on his way back. He'll be back eventually. That defense will get better <clears throat> as this year uh, moves along here. Uh, to me, it, it feels different for this Chiefs team. Uh, this year around than it does this time. Last year, it seemed like, okay, it's going to catch up with the team eventually. Now, in 2018, at this 5-0 start, this feels legit. This feels real with the Chiefs this time around. Yeah, and it feels different because it's Patrick Mahomes playing, not Alex Smith, and that's not a knock on Alex Smith by any means. I still like him, but uh, Patrick Mahomes just brings a different energy. He brings a... I don't know, just a, a gut feeling with him that this team can pull it off. This team is a legit Super Bowl contender. Um, and I will believe that fully as soon as they win their first playoff game. For now, it's all shits and giggles to see how many wins they can rack up because this team is undoubtedly making the playoffs. Yeah, I, I liked him in that division. Um, and... It was funny at the beginning of the year, the people that actually thought, you know, the Chargers or the Broncos or the Raiders were going to contend with them in that division, but that does not appear to be the case at all to this point, Tom, that they are clearly the best team there uh, in that uh, that division to this point uh, of what it seems like. But now you have these uh, next couple weeks where you're on the Sunday night football stage. They had the game against the Bengals got flexed, so they're going to have a home Sunday night football game here in a couple of weeks. They uh, they get the game against New England this week is going to be on Sunday night football as well. Already played on Monday night football against the Broncos. That's when Patrick Mahomes uh, led the Chiefs uh, from that 10-point deficit in the fourth quarter to come back and win that game. So, Tom, the league is recognizing, uh, I mean, that. You know, people are, are paying attention to the Chiefs. That's just one thing that's different this time around as well that I think that you're going to see compared to last year is 
nobody is going to be, uh, you know, no one's going to be looking at this Chiefs team and uh, is going to catch them off guard by any means. The eyes of the league are upon the Kansas City Chiefs right now. Um, I mean, everybody is knows exactly what they're doing and paying attention. There's nothing that is going to surprise the rest of the league of the Chiefs being a contender like they are right now. No, yeah, there's no more surprises left. They're, you know, everyone thought maybe the Jags would give them hell and they dismantled them. Uh, and the defense wasn't an issue. I know the Jaguars aren't the best offensive team, obviously, but they had no problem dropping 30 points on one of the league's best defenses, uh, which as a Rams fan scares me just a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's a little concerning for the rest of the league to, you know, go against the Chiefs. It's not a, oh, they'll probably blow it like they do the playoff games or – it's becoming one of those, well, this is a scheduled loss type of teams. Well, and and with this uh, this Chiefs squad now, with being at the position that they are uh, setting themselves up for these uh, next couple weeks, I mean, this is, uh, is going to be a, a fun time. And that defense, although the defense may not be playing great, defense around the league right now, Tom, is just not that good. Patrick Mahomes, you know... It, he knows what this is like, you know, playing at Texas Tech and playing in the Big 12 and everything. The NFL has almost turned into the Big 12 to some extent. I mean, at least Patrick Mahomes, he, he's got to feel like almost that he's playing for a Big 12 team, that the offense is going to do their part, and you need the defense to create some turnovers and get a couple stops and uh, hope that's enough that your offense does everything else. I mean, it's uh, it's almost as if Patrick didn't even leave the Big 12 conference based on what he needs from that defense and based on the way defenses are in the league right now, so far, that can work. Yeah, it can. It does, it does seem like uh, the Chiefs would belong right right smack dab in the Big 12, which is kind of how they operate. Uh, and it probably works out you know, best for Mahomes that it is this way because it's, you know, he's, he's used to it. This is how he's been. This is how it's been all the time. You know, a decent defense or subpar defense and an offense that will just shoot you out. Um, so maybe that was their whole game plan. Maybe, maybe that's what they had in mind from the get go. Um, that if they were going to draft Mahomes, put him in a comfortable situation, give him a year, uh, and then build around him with the with a stellar offense. Well, you think about it. I mean, that money they spent on Sammy Watkins—that was a lot of money. They could have gone out and spent on their defense, but they decided to spend on Sammy Watkins and uh, give him that weapon. You know, give him some weapons. I mean, you could have gotten two defensive players for the price you got Sammy Watkins for. Exactly, and they let Marcus Peters, you know, walk to the Rams for dirt cheap, and uh, you know, Eric Berry coming back will do them some good. Um, but it obviously looks like their offense is a main concern. That maybe if they can just outshoot anybody. Uh, that they'd have the best chance to win, and it's worked so far. Now, I, I'm not going to be one of those idiots that says that it was smart for them to get rid of Marcus Peters. There are some those people starting to come out. Uh, this defense could certainly use him, um, but it looks like that there was uh, maybe we 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 thought too much of this defensive of uh of them hurting this team too much maybe it comes back to bite later but right now it appears like the chiefs are going to be in a good shape we'll uh, pick that game and a few other games coming up here in just a little while from right now but let's start out with our college football picks 
for this week, Tom. Uh, you and I have uh, the same college football picks again. We, I don't know how this happens every single week almost. Um, but uh, you and I are, are very similar in our picks. But uh, we'll go the, through these games one by one. Let's go ahead and start with uh, Georgia and LSU. We both like the dogs in this one. LSU got off to a hot start to the year, but then they uh, dropped one last week to Florida, who I don't even think really is that good themselves. Uh, this could be a start of a downward spiral for the uh, for uh, Ed Orgeron's Tigers. They could go from uh, looking like one of the top ten teams in the country to maybe they're on their way to a four-loss season uh, if they lose this one to Georgia. It's not out of the question of them dropping uh, a couple more after this. Yeah, it does seem like that. And, <clears throat> and it's just weird to say that because we were so high on them last week and just the fact that they lost, it just kind of just was, I don't know, concerning about picking them anymore this season, uh, especially against a team like Georgia. So uh, i got to go with the Bulldogs in this one. Well, and, and the other thing with LSU was, I don't think any of us were that high on Ed Orgeron. And eventually this was going to catch up this this team eventually, and I think we're going to see it now. I think you're going to see a downward spiral start uh, with what we saw last week. Uh, I'd like Georgia to cover that one pretty easily, even on the road in a Death Valley. Washington taking on Oregon. Washington, uh, they lost to Auburn week one, but ever since... They've played some really good football. Uh, Oregon, on the other hand, you know they uh, they lost a close one to uh, Stanford at home, and uh, but you know other than that, this team has uh, has played okay. Uh, they're they're improved uh, compared to what they were after some struggles the last couple of years. Uh, I got to go Washington though. Uh, that team is only a couple of years removed from the college football playoff, and that's still a top fifteen team in the country, and Jake Browning's a decent quarterback. I, I like uh, the Huskies to cover in this one, Tom. Yeah, as, as do I. I think it'll be a very close game, um, but I do think the Huskies come out. Wisconsin at Michigan. The uh, Wolverines are a seven-point favorite. How about this? Jim Harbaugh says that he knew that uh, Shea Patterson is a good quarterback because his seven-year-old daughter told him so. Um, if you're relying on that, that's probably not a good sign, Don. Yeah, not at all. Uh, I got to go with uh, Wisconsin to cover. I think Michigan might win this game, but no way I'm giving Michigan the seven points. No, not at all. I don't trust the khakis anymore. We're out on the khakis. All right, a couple more college games. Texas Tech taking on TCU. The uh, Horn Frogs are a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Texas Tech, I think, has really surprised some people. Uh, you know, Alan Bowman came out of the gates after he missed that uh, first game of the year, didn't start. Once he finally got in there, was doing a really good job, but he had an injury. They're going to play three quarterbacks on Saturday against TCU. TCU has had their moments, but, Tom, when your best moment is that you, you know, lost to Ohio State and, you know, probably should have won that game. That's not necessarily that great when that's your shining moment is the the best you played all year was a loss to Ohio State. Yeah, exactly right. I don't just – I don't see <clears> – excuse me. I don't see how they can, be, you know, end up coming through with this game. All right. So we're, uh, we're going to take Tech to cover there. I still think TCU might win, but uh, I like Tech in the point. I, I like the points with Tech at seven and a half. 
Last game, Colorado and USC. Colorado is undefeated. I don't know how many people know that. They're ranked in the top 25. USC's had their struggles. This game is in Los Angeles, though. USC, a seven-and-a-half point favorite, going with the uh, Buffaloes in this one. Tom, uh, I don't know how many people realize uh, what Colorado's doing right now out in the uh, Pac-12 at the moment. Yeah, no, and, and I remember last week I went back and forth on Colorado, Arizona State, and ended up going with the Buffaloes, and they treated me well, so i got to go with them again. I can't believe that they're this much of an underdog on the road. I, I could have seen like maybe three or two points, but seven and a half. Give me a Colorado in that one. So that's our uh, college football picks for the week going with a Georgia minus seven, Washington minus three, Wisconsin plus seven, Texas Tech plus seven and a half, and Colorado plus seven and a half. All right, let's move on to the uh, National Football League. Uh, that uh, Chiefs Patriots game we just mentioned, man, Tom, it is uh, it is tough to pick against Tom Brady in Foxborough. That is something that you said just a couple weeks ago that you will never do. You will never pick against Tom Brady. Are you going to hold to that, or are you going to take Kansas City, uh, one of the hottest teams in the league right now? I'm going to take Kansas City just for the simple fact that the Patriots are 3-2. and two. If the Patriots were even – if they were even 4-1, and one, I'd take the Patriots at home. But – and – Let's say the Chiefs, even if they would have lost again, I'm still taking the Patriots, but I'm not going to pick against the Chiefs undefeated until the Rams game, of course. But The uh, the Chiefs are 5-0, and but it may be even more impressive, Tom. The Chiefs are 4-1 and against the spread. Um, the Chiefs are a really good bet right now. I'm going to keep picking them until they lose. Give me the Chiefs uh, at plus 3.5. Heck, New England could still win by a point or two. Uh, heck, even a field goal in the Chiefs would still cover this game. I like the Chiefs to win and cover. Good teams win. Great teams cover. Give me the Chiefs at uh, plus three and a half. Baltimore and Tennessee. Tennessee, maybe the most uh, forgotten about team in the National Football League. I don't know how many people realize this team is doing as well as they are. Mike Vrabel, new head coach, has done a really good job. Baltimore has had their moments as well. Of course, they beat the Steelers on Sunday Night Football a couple weeks ago, they uh, did lose to Baker Mayfield in the Browns in overtime last week. Tom, a uh, real good toss-up game between uh, these two teams. Baltimore's a three-point favorite. You know, I think Baltimore comes back and, and redeems himself from the Browns game. And hell, I mean, Tennessee lost to the Bills, uh, you know, last week. It was a 13 to 12 game. Uh, you know, I just can't. <clears throat> I can't just. Uh, I can't pick against Joe Flacco this week. The, uh, the rookie quarterbacks played uh, very well last week. Josh Allen getting a win, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold and company. Um, I got to go with Marcus Mariota. And uh, they're the home team in this one going up against Baltimore. Uh, you know, heck, they beat the Eagles a couple weeks ago. Defending Super Bowl champs. I know the Eagles are struggling right now, but that was a very impressive win. Give me Tennessee uh, with the points plus three in this one. A couple more games. The Chargers taking on the Browns. Um, the Browns are at home. They are a one-and-a-half-point underdog to the uh, Chargers. Tom, uh, Baker Mayfield say, going up against this uh, Los Angeles squad. I really like what Baker's doing, um, but I'm going to take the Chargers. Nothing against Baker Mayfield. I actually allude this to Cleveland. I don't think that Cleveland has enough to keep up 
with the Chargers beyond Baker. I think Baker's going to do a lot, um, and he'll he'll play well. But I don't, I think that you know, LA is just a better team than Cleveland is right now. Too much to handle. Uh, the Chargers win this one. Yeah, no no free Bud Light in Cleveland this week. I uh, got to go. Got to go with the Chargers as well. Couple more for you. Pittsburgh taking on Cincinnati. The Steelers uh, had a, a big win against Atlanta last week. Nice bounce back win. This will be their last game without Le'Veon Bell before he comes back after the uh, bye week. Steelers are a, a two and a half point underdog at Cincinnati. And uh, right now, Tom, the Bengals are playing really good football. Uh, Marvin Lewis and company getting it done right now in the regular season. Yeah, no joke. Uh, now, who knows? Steelers might be on the right track back uh, after beating Atlanta. You know, the Falcons are sh- kind of struggling a little bit, but I think the Steelers could get it on track, but uh, not not this week. I think Cincinnati's playing too good. Yeah, I'll take Cincinnati uh, minus two and a half as well. Last one for you, Carolina taking on Washington. Washington, a two-point favorite against uh, the Panthers and company. Uh, Alex Smith, he really struggled last week against the uh, Saints on Monday Night Football. Um, I mean, it was a bad showing from uh, from Washington, what they were able to uh, put up. Meanwhile, uh, Carolina, not not too bad right now with uh, Peyton Manning and uh, what they're doing uh, with that uh that squad right now. Uh, Tom, I, I got to go with uh, Carolina uh, on the road. They're a two-point dog, uh, but I'd like them to not only uh, you know cover this game, I, I think Carolina can win this one straight up. Yeah, I think so, too. I would not be shocked. Uh, I, I do like, you know, Carolina is one of those teams that if you don't play well, they're going to beat you. Um, and I think that's just uh, I think that's just what's going to happen this week. I, I got to take Carolina and the points. I still think right now, Tom, Carolina is capable of beating anybody in the National Football League on any given day. I really do think so. They're one of those teams that you just have to bring your best and, and not slip up, or you can't underestimate them because they will beat you. Doesn't it come down to Sunday? What Carolina team we're going to see? Uh, it does. It really does do that and. And, you know, Cam Newton, uh, as much as people love to hate him, uh, he's, he's a ball player. He is. And, you know, he's their franchise quarterback. They're going to have to stick with him for a long time. He is the guy there uh, to, uh, you know, get it done that they're going to rely on. So those are our picks for this week. Uh, we all had a rough week last week. Um, none of us finished above 500. Uh, our worst week maybe ever in picks. The uh, the underdogs had their way last week, uh, you know, and 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 I heard that around the country, Tom, that this was a bad week. Uh, the uh, the uh, Vegas won a lot of money around the country last week based on the uh, picks, but uh, in the standings, Billy leads thirty eight and twenty two. Tom, you're at thirty six and twenty four. Um, Derek's at thirty two and twenty eight. Nolan and I are back below five hundred. Nolan at a 29-31. I'm at 27-33 and 33 after getting back to 500 a week ago. Bad week. Time to bounce back and uh, move back to 500 this week. We'll see what uh, happens there. All right, Tom, uh, before we get out of here today, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. What's, uh, what do we got? So this comes up, and, and we got to do one of these, just, just, just being the uh, month of Halloween. Uh, comes from you a big Halloween guy? I like Halloween. It's it's one of my favorites. Not necessarily for trick or treating or anyway, but just 
Uh, I like the scary movies, and you know, I go to at least one Halloween party. I was the Pope last year, uh, and it was a big hit. I was the dope Pope. I wore the Pope costume, and then put like a big money chain on it, and uh, it was actually a big hit at this one uh, at this one Halloween party I went to. Everyone told me to bless their alcohol, and so I did what I could. Pope, uh, uh, Pope uh, Thomas, Thomas John. Yeah, Pope Tom, yeah, Pope Tom John. There you go. There you go. And there, yeah, it was a hit. So I might, I might just uh, be that guy and wear it again this year. Um, but this comes from Virginia. I don't think we've, I don't think we've ever had one for Virginia. I don't, I can't recall. But this is uh, Virginia is for lovers, as they say. It's definitely not for trick or treaters because it comes from CBS Minnesota. And these Virginia towns can jail or fine children over 12 years old who trick or treat comes right out of Chesapeake, West Virginia. There's a town in Virginia that can find children up to $100 or jail them for six months if they go trick-or-treating on or above the age of 12. What? Children could be guilty of a misdemeanor. And it's actually a law in Chesapeake, Virginia. According to the city's ordinance, if any person over the age of 12 years shall engage in the activity commonly known as trick-or-treat, or any other activity of similar character or nature under any name whatsoever, he or she shall be guilty of a misdemeanor and shall be punished by a fine of not less than $25, nor more than $100, or by confinement in jail for not more than six months or both. So the city also has a time limit for its trick-or-treating activities. If any person shall engage in the activity commonly known as trick-or-treat, or any activity of a similar character or nature under the name whatsoever after 8 p.m., he or she shall be guilty of a misdemeanor and shall be punished by a fine of not less than $10, nor more than 100 or by confinement in jail for not more than 30 days or both. This means children in middle school and high school cannot go trick-or-treating, and no child can go trick-or-treating after 8 p.m. in Chesapeake, Virginia. Um, there's more to the article, and I'll get that to in a second, but what... Uh, town. I'll never go to Chesapeake. That's ridiculous. That's awful. You know, I mean, you think about it. Middle schoolers and high schoolers cannot trick-or-treat in that town. And, and then the restrictions of it, the fact that you can't go after 8 p.m. What are they thinking? Well, they're, they're obviously not thinking here. I mean, this is, uh, this is talk about, you want to talk about government overreach. This is it right here, Tom. Yeah, it's getting bad. And I know a lot of a lot of towns and places are doing like the trunk or treat, which is like a church or some other event where they just have a lined up of candy, and the kids walk down through there. Yeah, it's a little bit safer maybe than going door to door because times have changed. Uh, I think I trick or treated up to the yeah, up to eighth grade. I'm pretty sure. And then ninth grade, I think there was a little Halloween party we went to instead. Um, and then from obviously there on out, I haven't been trick or treating since, but. Hell, I think if you, uh, you know, if you want to go trick-or-treating and you're, like, in high school, you know what, hell with it, go with it. It's better than, I, I say that, I never drank or partied in high school, but uh, to each their own. Um, it keeps kids from, you know, doing drugs or getting drunk and driving around, and especially with all the kids on the street, I get that. I do get that. Here's um, the thing that's going to suck, Tom, is I guarantee you there is going to be some narc that is going to call the police when somebody does trick-or-treat at their house either after 8 p.m. or is older than 12 years old. It is going to happen. There's always a party pooper. 
especially the town. I could, I could bet you that Chesapeake is probably like a retirement community that doesn't do a whole lot for kids, and it's just uh, just like a retirement town. I can guarantee it. Um, that's just the type of places that would do something like this. Um, the article continues, and they aren't the only community that has rules like this. Many communities restrict the times for trick-or-treating like in Portsmouth, Virginia, where children can go trick-or-treating from 5 to 8 p.m. Newport, Virginia has a similar code that children age 12 or any child in 7th grade or younger can trick-or-treat. Otherwise, it's a Class 4 misdemeanor. Are you kidding me? You can charge a child with a misdemeanor for trick-or-treating? Um, that's as bad as, if not worse, than like getting labeled a sex offender for uh, taking a piss in an alley and you're like literally trying to hide it or... You know, that's uh, this is ridiculous. Um, it says Halloween this year lands on a Wednesday. Um, you know, I can't believe that a town would do this or be like this. Um, if I was a parent, I would just take them to another town. Um, it's just stupid that it has to be like this. And, uh, you know, I get that they're trying to be safe. And like 8 p.m., you know, a lot of people go to bed by then and it's on a Wednesday not like a weekend um, but there are a lot of towns uh, I know Bartlesville has done it before where they designated the trick-or-treat day to like the weekend like that Saturday or that Friday before Halloween I know a lot of towns do that um, instead of having it on you know a weekday just because parents work and have other you know obligations but just to be able to give a kid or a child a misdemeanor for just trick-or-treating is blows my mind oh my gosh you know i I think of like two bad trick-or-treat experience i had tom um that i can relate to this story one of them uh i went trick-or-treating to a uh, house and they gave us uh apples and books um, and it was like this million dollar home. We get up there thinking, oh man, they're going to have the good candy, right? You know I mean? Like they're going to have some good stuff and I get a freaking apple in a book. Like that's not what I came here for. I mean, you, you guys can afford it. It's not some issue. Why are you give me some book? Uh, I don't like reading. I don't want to read. That's not what I'm here for. The other, did you read the book? No, I did not read the book. Um, uh-huh. and I probably didn't eat the apple either. Um, Maybe I uh, maybe I threw it back at their house or something like that. No, I'm, I'm oh just kidding. Gosh. No way I did that. Did your did your parents ever check your candy for like razor blades or drugs or anything? Oh, they did every time. See, you know, and I get that. That's definitely an important thing to do because you know it could just be one house. It doesn't, you know, doesn't, you know, you could trick or treat there one year and the next year they could decide to do something like that. It just, you know, could could happen. But I've never seen an article somewhere where they found that. Here's the thing that I've always found suspect on that. Like, if somebody snuck a razor blade in there or something, wouldn't you be able to tell that the candy wrapper was opened? Maybe. You know, I don't know. I'm sure there's ways around it, maybe. But, yeah, but I don't, I've never seen an article where they, like, found that out and it happened. Like, I've never heard of that. But, I mean, I'm sure it's a possibility and it's talked about enough that I'm sure some crazy would do it. But I've never. Never come across an article or anything or heard of anything actually happening. My other bad experience was one year I uh, I went to a family's house, uh, you know, to knock on the door, and uh, they said, uh, "Oh, uh, 
we don't celebrate Halloween. I'm like, well, you have your light on. And they said, oh, sorry, we left our light on. And, like, and that was just it. And like, for religious reasons, they didn't celebrate Halloween. Like, are you kidding me? Then don't leave your light on. Yeah, no joke. It's just like it's been that way forever that if you don't have your light on, then you're not doing it. If you do on a designated trick-or-treat night, then you're getting people you're knocking fair on game. your door. It's just going to happen. Exactly. And, you know, I get, you know, some people for religious reasons don't celebrate it or whatever. But, I mean, it's pretty innocent as far as kids coming to your door for candy. That's like, you know, parents putting out Easter baskets filled with, you know, candy. Like, I mean, same deal. I mean, you get Easter eggs and filled with candy. That's kind of like a trick-or-treat. Right. Uh, in, a, in a sense, like an Easter egg hunt, that's kind of like trick-or-treating in a sense. Like you're looking for candy, like kids going to the door. You know, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, just kids want some candy. I don't see any problem with it. Did you have any bad, like, trick-or-treating experiences growing up? You know, I never did, besides maybe, like, my mom eating my Reese's or something, and I was super pissed. But... Other than that, no, no. That's uh, that's the two things I was like, you can eat anything else you want out of that deal. Especially like the Milky Ways or Three Musketeers, which are inferior candies. But if you eat my Butterfingers or my Reese's, then we're going to have a serious problem. Butterfingers were my favorites. Those were the best. Yeah, those are my two. Like when they came out with the butter Butterfingers, like Reese's Cup, like, you know, Butterfinger Cups, that changed my life. Also, I think candy corn gets a bad rap. Candy corn is not that bad. I don't like candy corn. I will not eat it. I seen somewhere me and my coworker were talking that uh, someone made a candy corn pizza, and then I just that's terrible. Okay, they that I just, they that I bad, despise. That sounds try. terrible. That. I'm not a big fan. I wouldn't go out and buy it. Would I eat one or two? Yeah, no, no problem. My gosh. Candy corn, candy corn for me is in the same category runs as in sprees. Yeah. I don't do sprees either. Sprees are terrible, but um, like the flavored minto. Disgusting. I hate what I hated was uh, almond joy. Those were bad. Um, you don't like coconut? Oh, no. Oh, you're crazy. Almond joys are delicious. I'll gladly Nasty. take any almond joys from you. Another under here's an underrated Halloween candy. Um, big hunk. You know what? I have only had a big hunk one time. I was never, never a fan. I always thought the underrated one was the, uh, it's like, it's a Jolly Rancher, but it's longer, like the size of a Laffy Taffy. Yes. Those, those were good. Those were always solid. Very good. Those, or, you know, like the Starburst two packs, they're not bad, but I'll, you know, it would always suck if you got a yellow and an orange one together. When you were really hoping for a pink and a red one, right? That was like winning. The, that was like winning the kid lottery. If you got like two reds, two pinks, or one of each. Yeah, those were good times. Um, this isn't necessarily Halloween related, but um, you know, if if you got a neighbor or something that might give this to you, or you see them in the stores, I always think it's funny in Oklahoma the people that uh, that you know give away or drink. The uh, specific OU water or the OSU H2O, that to me I always found hilarious. Yeah, it is pretty funny considering it's bottled and manufactured by the same company. Right, they just put a label on it. That's all it is. That is pretty funny to think about. I haven't seen that water in a long time, though. 
Yeah, every time I go cover an OSU game, they're always giving away the OSU H2O or the OSU2O, whatever it is. Yeah, whatever they put on it. Yeah, that is funny. Pretty yeah. easy marketing, though. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, you just pay, as long as you're making enough in, uh, you don't have to pay too much in royalties, you're going to make that money back pretty quick. Yeah, no joke. I mean, it just beats having a plain water bottle. So, I don't blame them in a, in a business sense, but it is kind of funny. Right. I, I've yet to see, like, KU water or uh, K-State water. I, I guess that's an Oklahoma thing. Yeah, most definitely. If they, they'll slap OSU or OU on anything they can. Right. Uh, what I really think is dumb is those uh, those house-divided license plates. That's just stupid. Yeah, I always thought those were pretty funny, especially when you see one that's, like, one will say, like, KU on one, and then the other house-divided will be, like, some crazy other school like USC. At that like point, like, why? why? Why do you need to identify that, you know? Yeah, no joke. Nobody else is a USC fan any, or any other college. Or the house divided yeah. stuff, like, no one cares. Why do we need to know that you're a house divided, that you have marital problems? Oh, my gosh, that's pretty funny. Why do we need to know that you're on a path to get divorced? Don't care. If there's a KU Mizzou house divided. Oh, if there's a, yeah, I think there is. Um, and those people, like, there's a guaranteed divorce rate of, like, 100%. Yeah, probably. You wouldn't the Mizzou, Mizzou grad? The Mizzou fan, she uh, she goes off and, uh, and leaves you for her southern friends and, uh, and takes the more money initially, but then she ages uh, out pretty quickly and uh, loses her shine. Oh, my God. That's pretty spot on. That's that's and, and on that note, we'll get out of here. Uh, big thanks to uh, Tara Talmans for joining us. Check out all her stuff. Uh, she's doing some great work down there in uh, Northwest Arkansas. And uh, you can subscribe to the show on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Leave us a five star review, or don't leave us one at all. Uh, follow us on social media: Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live at Thomas underscore Bridges and at TJ Media Group. And uh, we will see you all right back here next week as uh, next week we'll be getting ready for the uh, the NASCAR race at uh, Kansas Speedway. We talked to Eric Amarola last week. Um, that was a cool interview. So we got a big week ahead next week. Look forward to it. For Thomas Bridges, Tara Talmadge, I am Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next time right back here on the Jones Report. Jones report. F- yeah.